Season three, episode three, Blue Blood TV. Today, we're going to talk about last week, UNC versus Boston College. And we're going to talk about Duke's loss to Virginia Tech when they were down 21 players and two coaches. The Tar Heels look really sloppy, but they got themselves together at the end of the game. Trey Morrison made an interception that won and sealed the game for them, 26-22. The Blue Devils had their fourth loss of the season to a depleted uh, Virginia Tech Hokies. And as I said before, 21 players down and two coaches, and they still managed to lose the game. Um, so we're going to talk about all those things with Remy Schwartz and uh, Natalie Bodie. Um, so we're going to get into the show. It's almost game time. Don't forget to pick up a six-pack or four-pack of the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale. Go to your local supermarket. If they do not have it, go to your manager and ask for it. The official game day beer, the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale, is light, crisp, and refreshing. Remy, let's talk about Duke football. What is going on over there? I don't know. It's the story of the season, honestly, Hassan. He lost again, but I do think that it was a better offensive performance. We scored more points. I guess that's good for our confidence. Um, we ran the ball better with Deion Jackson scoring two touchdowns. Chase Price didn't have as many interceptions that game. He still did one, so that's moving in the right direction. I know I mentioned – last week about that would be one of our keys like giving the ball away less and like having more possessions in our favor um so i guess that's a positive but the result is still not there so i don't really know what's going to end up happening throughout the rest of the season okay remy you guys put up your best offensive performance of the season no doubt about it but you lost by one touchdown and the team was missing 21 players and two coaches that's like 25% of the team almost. Um, are there any positives that you can take away from that, Remy? Yeah, I kind of like what I just said, but like I think it's what they needed, kind of an offensive confidence boost, although they still didn't win. They still put up more points. Um, so hopefully they can transfer that to the next game. I think that's very – getting to see consistent like results and consistent scoring I think is huge in a game like that. Okay. Okay, great. We're gonna go over to Chapel Hill. Natalie, how are you? You here? I'm doing well. How are you? Of course, I'm here. All right. I'm glad that you're here. Um, you know, your Tar Heels had a three-week hiatus. They didn't play any football. Um, and when they went to Boston College, they looked pretty sloppy again in the first two quarters. Um, does this performance say that they're a top ten team in the country? What do you think? I mean, there's critics that say they're not. They don't belong in that elite group. Are they elite 
with those two wins? I mean, I, I don't think they're quality wins. I do not. I think that, you know, they definitely picked up a couple wins. They're undefeated still, quote-unquote, because we've only played two teams because of the coronavirus hiatus that we had to take. But if you look at how they played against Boston College, we're talking about a team that almost lost to Texas State. And you know what I'm saying? They just, against Boston College, they had nine penalties, a missed field goal, an error on kickoff. Those things do not happen for a top 10 team, in my opinion. And I just worry when they face more of a quality opponent, all of those flaws will get exposed. But I will say Carolina can be a scrappy team. They tend to play up. But, no, last week was not a quality win. I think that once we get into consistently playing more games and not taking a three-week break, things could look better. But there's just a lot of inconsistencies right now. So, Natalie, you think that's a result of them being overrated? Or do you think that's a product of just not playing back-to-back weekends? What are your thoughts? I mean, if you mix in a third opponent, yeah, it could be a different story. I think – The difficulty of schedule is definitely something to take into consideration. We haven't played really good teams. Yes, we've got a couple wins, but Boston College could have won that game. They could have pulled it out late in the fourth, and frankly, Carolina got really lucky when Trey Morrison scooped the ball. So I just think that when we face more quality opponents, our defense has looked good, but our offense has just not looked explosive. I've actually talked to a couple of the players on the team too, and they even said – You know, it's something about how the offense, it just isn't clicking, not firing on all cylinders, and that's where they have to pick it up. So do you think Sam Howell is just not in sync? Is it Sam? Is it the wide receivers? Is it the offensive coordinator? What do you think is, you know, keeping that offense from exploding? I mean, Sam was 14 to 26. I think he had a decent game. I just think that it's a sloppiness that we talked about. You could blame that on not having competition or the three week span where they didn't, you could say, you know, that's a factor getting back into the flow of competition, but I don't know what it is. It just seems like this year's team doesn't have the chemistry offensively that last year's team had. All right. So Remy, we're going to go back to you. As you know, we know this Duke is in absolutely last place. They haven't recorded the win yet. Um, what's your opinion on why this is happening? I mean, Cutcliffe has been renowned for putting together really good Duke teams. Do you think the coronavirus is part of why this is not working? I wouldn't say the coronavirus is part of it. I honestly think it comes down to an overall like lack of discipline by the players just with how many times late in games we've had costly penalties, we've had fumbles, turnovers by interception. Like, I just don't – and I also think that the offensive line has not done a good job of protecting Jace Price. I know he's thrown so many interceptions, but I think a lot of that has to do with him being protected. And that goes into protecting the ball too. So, obviously, we're not going to have a good offensive – line or a good offensive momentum if we keep turning the ball over he's not protected but I also think that because all this is happening it's up to coach cut to make those decisions in games and make changes and I don't think he's been able or willing to do this on the fly I feel like it's he's waited to her until the worst possible thing has happened and we're down x amount of points before actually making a change so let me ask a question how many more games does cut have before you know the players mentally roll up the season. What do you, 
do you think he has to win this next game? Do you think he, uh, you know, this next game is critical in terms of keeping his players focused on, on the task at hand? I mean, I think so. I also think that, especially in the quarterback position with Chase Bryce underperforming, except he performed better last game. Um, like what would, I don't even know what my mindset would be for those other two quarterbacks that he's put in, in the rotation a couple times when Chase Bryce has been very underperforming and needed to make a change. Um, like what their mentality is. Like I would feel awful if someone's underperforming like that and they're still not getting an opportunity. Like anything is better than being 0 and 4. So I don't know. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Now we're going to go back to you. Um, so Mac Brown has this supposedly top 10 team. There are critics that say he has the team. There's critics that say he doesn't have the team. But one thing we can be assured is that his team isn't clicking and they're not really gelling yet. How does Mac Brown get this team to be more consistent and avoid mental mistakes? Like we said, I think it's just a big matter of the offense isn't firing on all cylinders like they did last year. I think they're not hitting as many deep shots as they did prior. They're not looking explosive. And that's a big question mark for everyone. You know, Sam Howell has looked, he's looked okay. He's looked decent, but is he that dark horse Heisman candidate that we've been talking about and alluding to ever since last season? And I think really what we need to see from Carolina this coming up weekend is Virginia tech is a ranked team. If they can show that they have, they have offensive firepower, a lot more people will start believing that they can challenge a Clemson in the ACC and they can really compete for the top spot in the ACC. So let me follow up on that. Do you think Sam Howell has what it takes to be an elite quarterback? Oh, 100%. And I think last year, in the really close game against Clemson, I'll just make that reference again, he looks like a star. I mean, he was a true freshman playing. Again, he's only a sophomore, but he does lead the team, but he just has not looked as impressive through two games as he did last year. He still has the chance to prove himself, but so far we know he has the tools, but he hasn't looked the part. Okay, so we're going to jump back to the other quarterback. Remy, Chase Bryce looked better this last game, 22 for 39, 271 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Um, do you think he did enough to keep his starting job, or should Duke make a change just for mental reasons for the rest of the team? I think Chase did do enough this past game, especially with his performance in the fourth quarter, to keep his starting job, but I do think it's going to happen how he performs in the first half of the next game. I think Chase is still trying to learn the playbook and is gradually getting on the same page as his receivers. And it's going to take time. And I don't, like, again, like I'm saying, I don't think we have time at this point, but I do think he did enough. Um, Coach Cut says he's extraordinarily talented with a lot of strength. and It should translate over to the game, but I don't know. It hasn't yet. So I'm just hopeful if we do continue to keep him in the game. All right, ladies, let's push on to this weekend. Let's just recap what we think is going to happen this weekend. It's almost game time. Don't forget to pick up a six-pack or four-pack of the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale. Go to your local supermarket. If they do not have it, go to your manager and ask for it. The official game day beer, the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale, is light, crisp, and refreshing.
This Saturday, eighth-ranked Tar Heels will face the 19th-ranked Virginia Tech Hokies. I'm not sure if they're 19th-ranked. They, you know, they, they didn't have a lot of players the last week, and they didn't show their best game. But on the other side of the rivalry, Duke will play Syracuse, which is one and two. Um, Virginia Tech will get their starting quarterback, Hernan Hooker, back in the lineup, as well as most of the returning secondary that missed the game through because of the coronavirus. Natalie, do you think Carolina is going to be ready to play this game? And do you think Virginia Tech is going to be ready to play this game? I think both teams are going to be ready. I think you can expect a really good game from two ranked teams. It's hard to say. I think it's going to be a close game, but I see Carolina having the advantage if the passing game can open up and offensively some things gel a little bit more than they have the prior two games. Okay, but what about like Virginia Tech being down 21 players? A lot of guys have been on the sideline. I would think that those Virginia Tech players that have been on the sidelines because of Corona are going to be ready to play. But is that two-week gap in quarantine going to help them or hurt them? It's so hard to predict. I think you're absolutely right that it can go one of two ways. But after taking two weeks off, you just don't know how players are going to react to that. Are they going to look even sloppier? Are they going to come ready to play and have a little bit of extra motivation because they haven't been on the field? I guess we'll see this weekend. But like I said, it's just it's so unpredictable to say exactly what that kind of break will do to a player. But hopefully they can find a way to you know pull it together and make it a good game and compete. Okay, and Remy, Duke is off a terrible start. We've been talking about this all show. But to your chagrin, they play one and two Syracuse. And do they have an opportunity to win this game and start to make this season respectable? Yeah, I do think they have an opportunity to win the game. I think they, I know Syracuse hasn't played, like, the easiest of opponents. Um, but them being one and two, I think it's a good opportunity to start that. A very beatable team. Um, and I think the key is that they have to come out firing on all cylinders and keep their previous losses in the rearview mirror and just continue to move forward. Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Remy, have you guys had a home game yet here at, at, at Duke? Yeah, we had a home game last weekend. Okay, so this weekend you guys are on the road? Mm-hmm. In the okay. How does that impact going to Syracuse, going to the Carrier Dome with no fans? Is that a, a benefit or is that it, or is, is just a neutral site? I would think it's a benefit not having fans um, because I would assume I've never been in the carrier dome or seen the atmosphere, but I would assume I've heard a lot of, I've heard a lot about it. So I heard there's a lot of energy brought in there, very inclusive environment. So I feel like that would add another stress that our own four Duke team does not need if there were fans. So I feel like it's a benefit. I mean, Either way, if it was a home game, they don't they don't have to travel. They don't have to do all those extra little things. But no fans in both situations, so I don't really know if that would make a difference. Okay, Natalie, we're going to flip over to Chapel Hill. I think you have a home game this weekend. Is that correct, Natalie? We absolutely do, and it's the first game at Keenan this year that will have fans. Fans in the stands. I think, what is it, 7 or 10%? I think it's 7%, it's 7% occupancy. Yeah, 7%, absolutely. But I think that works out to about 3,000 fans or is it 7,000 fans? It might be 7,000 fans. No, how are, they, fans. how are they doing the fans? Like, who determines who gets in the game? I, 
I think it's going to determine on giving level. So I think they're most elite um, fans that had tickets who will give to the university. I believe that's how that's going to work out. So your top givers will give it, get first options and so on and so on down. And then um, as so, our students go, it's, it's a student lottery. So Natalie, they're going to have 7% occupancy. They're going to have beer sales at Keenan Keenan. Is 3,000 fans going to make a difference for Carolina? And do you think Carolina Nation is going to come to the parking lots and try to root on the team from outside the stadium? Your thoughts on that? You know, as far as the parking lot question goes, I'm not sure. I think it's been a little bit unpredictable to see how people will react, if people will come out. I'm sure people will be. There will be some tailgating going on. But absolutely, I think 3,000 fans will make a difference. Is it 50,000? No, but 3,000 compared to no fans is going to be a significant difference. And I think Carolina last year was a team that thrived off of fan presence. We were both, me and you, Haas, we were both at the Clemson game, late in the game, where the energy from the stands was motivating the team. You could see them carry that momentum. So although it won't be as many fans, I think this is big for this UNC team and maybe getting some extra momentum and energy from the crowd that definitely could happen. All right. I like that. I like that. Okay. So do you think Mac is going to have this team ready to play this game? It's going to be big time television fans in the stands, people are going to watch just to see what it looks like with 3,000 fans. And do you think those fans are going to be pushed all over the stadium to spread them out? Or do you think they're going to be like in the lower bowl? You know, I'm not sure what they're going to do. I have not heard. I mean, have you heard what exactly, like how they're positioning fans? I have not heard anything. I heard that they have an app that's on the ticket uh, registration that automatically uh, moves the fans X number of feet apart. Uh, wow. And I believe they have like a capacity where at six feet, they can get X number of people into the stands. Um, but with, uh, you know, this first level of plan inclusion, which is 3000 fans, I was just interested to see how far they can place 3000 fans apart, which seems to me like a lot of distance in a, in a stadium that holds 50,000 at 7% occupancy. Um, so Natalie, we're gonna just ask you what's your prediction for this game? Is this a nail biter? Is this, does Carolina blow out Virginia Tech? What happens? I think it's, um, it's not gonna be a blowout uh, for either team. I think it'll be a really close game. I think it might be a situation we saw with Boston College where it might come down to that last play. I think the game will be won in the second half for sure. So I just, you know, Carolina's got to pull away at some point, but Virginia Tech is a great team. I'm surprised they're not ranked higher, to be honest with you. I think Mac Brown came out and he said the same thing. I think he quoted that they should be a top 10 team. And like we said, I don't know if North Carolina has proven their elite. So my biggest fear as a Tar Heel fan is I don't want Virginia Tech to come to Chapel Hill and just kind of show the nation that Carolina should not have been number eight. That's, I want us to defend our turf. I want us to prove our ranking, show everyone, including myself, that they are an elite team. Cause I'm not sure I believe it yet either, but to answer your question, how exact score, I don't know, but it will definitely be one in a close second half battle, fourth quarter in the trenches. I think whichever team can step up, that's who's going to win. All right. So uh, we, we can conclude Season three, episode three, Blue Blood TV. 
Um, it sounds like the Tar Heels have a must-win weekend. And the Duke, Remy, they've got a must-win weekend as well. Um, both teams, um, Carolina, if they want to get into that elite group of football teams, they're going to have to win this weekend or it's going to be a major letdown. And Duke, this is the weekend for them to get that first weekend win and get that first win on the books so that they can start to have a great season. Uh, ladies, as we always say, we're out. Thank you for showing up on Blue Blood TV. We out, ladies. We're out. We out. AKBZ, you fired up. Yeah, nowadays I get what I want. Lately been spinning a bag. Addicted to getting that cash. Addicted to popping them tags. Money was made for the sad. Now my ex be calling back. Saw me come up out the random. Didn't wait long, now that b throwing tension. My friends fell in love when I fell in the fame. In my DMs talking about hey, handsome. I know that they hate me and want me for ransom. It's nothing new, I won't give it to that. I eat the hate up and spit it right back. My lyrics like bullets, I'm shooting yo. Women come and go with the cash. You gon' learn and learn to fast. They gon' fold, fold them to ass. I get my medicine straight out the bed. I'm a prospect, not from Earth. I feel like a monster. Matter of fact, that came from a starship. My bed feel like a coffin. Not waking up. If I run into ops, I'm an off. I don't know if you think that you stopping. What I got going on? Gotta send me with auto on. This ain't no water correct. Pieces of threat. Now I'm coming at your neck. Tack you like a pet. Sound like a pop tart. Act like they got no heart. I'll be the ones that's pretending.